Okay, it is a few hours later because I had a sit on the sofa. I was watching an episode of Monk and I fell fast asleep. Nevertheless, here we are again. Thanks for tuning in to Captain Roy's Rusty Rocket Radio Show, the UK Geek Science Fiction, Fantasy and Horror Podcast, episode 494, recorded on Friday the 30th of June 2023 at 041516. Yes, I know. Quarter past four in the morning, what the hell am I thinking? What am I thinking is, we are back. That was my entry for the Read Visit Journal this week. We are back at a horrifically early time in the morning to talk about the Doctor Who story from 1983, Snake Dance. Which, although it isn't chronologically, could be considered a sequel to Kinder which we talked about quite some time ago. As usual, let us start off with some notes. The Fifth Doctor is played by Peter Davison. His companions are Nissa, played by Sarah Sutton, Sarah Sutton, and Tegan, played by Janet Fielding. Notable cast, Martin Clunes, of whom... I'll talk about a bit later. The director was Fiona Cumming, who also directed Castrovalva, Enlightenment, and Planet of Fire. The writer was Christopher Bailey, who also wrote Kinder. The producer was John Nathan Turner. Locations, well, there was no on-location filming. All this was filmed at Ealing Film Studios and BBC Television Centre Shepherd's Bush in 1982. Broadcast, this was Story 124, Serial 2 of Season 20, which follows Arc of Infinity, which we talked about in Episode 490. It consisted of four around 25-minute episodes, and was first broadcast from the 18th to the 26th of January, 1983. As for media releases, there was a Target novelization by Terence Dix in 1984. It came out on VHS in 1994, DVD along with Kinder, and that was called Mara Tales in 2011, and on DVD as part of Doctor Who DVD Files issue 103 in 2012. I think when I talked about Kinder, I was asking myself why Snake Dance and Kinder did not come out together. And the information I had at the time, as far as I remember, now I'm not quite sure, was that it didn't, but apparently it did. On the other hand, if I didn't question why this didn't come out together with 
Kinder as a pair, Kinder and Snake Dance. Back when I talked about Kinder, then this entire line of dialogue that you're hearing now is completely redundant. So apologies. But yeah, Kinder and Snake Dance did come out together in Mara Tales. Zeitgeist. Can you believe that Phil Collins' You Can't Hurry Love was number one in the UK on the 18th of January, 1983? Appallingly, I can. And I should, because I'm still single. Hmm. Okay. As usual... Let us start off with a short clip, and then I'll tell you in my own words the plot. Rolling clip in three, two, one. Tegan, you must go into the cave. We need to know what's there. Could that represent the Great Crystal? What is the snake dance? This is here and now. Yes, to interrupt the becoming. The Mara has been destroyed. Okay, hope you enjoy the clip. Here's what happens. We open on an old man in fairly primitive clothes, sitting on a structure, seemingly meditating, in the middle of what looks like a desert. Then we're in the TARDIS. Nyssa and the Doctor are talking about where they are. Well, at least the Doctor is initially, and Nissa is trying to get him to pay attention to what she's wearing. Eventually it transpires that after Tegan fed the Doctor the wrong coordinates, the TARDIS unexpectedly arrived on the primitive Federation colony world of Manusa. They go to see Tegan in the TARDIS. She is sleeping in her bed and sleeping fitfully because she is having some serious nightmares about a cave. The Doctor believes that it is not a dream that she is having and perhaps that cave is something real. So they all set out to find it. Tegan is given a device to wear. It looks like a little Walkman, though it is apparently a dream-suppressing device. When they are separated in the market on Manusa, Tegan's dream suppressor is removed by a kindly native, which unfortunately releases the Mara that possessed her on Deva Loka, which we talked about in pod 477 when we were talking about Kinder. The spoiled son of the leader of Manusa, Lon, falls under the spell of the possessed Tegan. She has hidden herself in the market in the Hall of Mirrors, and sent the merchant who owns the attraction 
to entice Lon to her? Through him, and with his authority, she obtains the great crystal eye for herself. It is the Mara's plan within her to return to power by placing this great crystal eye in the temple of the Mara during the celebration of the supposedly mythical Mara's fall. The Doctor is captured, but finds an ally in Chella, at least eventually, who is the assistant to the stubborn and arrogant Ambril the archaeologist. Chella gives the Doctor a crystal amulet, similar but smaller than the Great Crystal, that is nonetheless able to transform thought into matter after the Doctor experiments a little with it and theorizes that the Mara was an artificial entity created when the Great Crystal manufactured in the microgravity of space became a conduit for the baser evil thoughts of its creators and then manifested the Mara. The Doctor seeks out Ambril's predecessor, an old hermit called Dojin. They take part in a ritual together involving each being struck by a small venomous snake, and then they communicate telepathically. The Doctor, Chella, and Nyssa then return to the temple just as the Mara is attaining corporeality. Using the crystal amulet, the Doctor interrupts the strange ritual, then removes the crystal. The Mara dies, and its control slips. And that's it, that's the end of the adventure, with the Doctor and Tegan sitting side by side, and the Doctor reassuring her that the Mara is now once and for all dead. Okay, that's what happens. Let me tell you what I thought. I said at the top of the show that I'd mentioned Martin Clunes again. He's a very, very well-known actor in the UK. He, for ages and ages, played the character Doc Martin in that television sitcom, I suppose. It's not really a sitcom. Dramatised comedy? Dramedy? It's something like that. Anyway, what I remember him best from, though, is a sitcom called Men Behaving Badly. (laughs) All I can say, do you remember the bit with the gherkin? Martin Clunes in Snake Dance plays a petulant, spoiled character, a brat called Lon, as he does playing a petulant, spoiled brat a decade later in Inspector Morse, Happy Families from 1982. Martin Clunes has got the lips for petulance. (laughs) Ambril, the archaeologist, is a boorish rationalist to the point of bullheaded stupidity and refuses to see the truth 
right in front of his eyes, until greed gets the better of him. I can't help being reminded of people like Richard Dawkins with this character. It's interesting because the Doctor usually confronts people who are filled with superstition, and he is the voice of reason and rational thought. In this case, it's a rationalist who has a very closed mind, is not open to extreme possibilities. Is that something from the (laughs) X-Files? Let's move on to something else. I found the truth behind the Mara's creation. Very interesting and original. Just imagine that, a device that channels evil. One can't help seeing obnoxious chatbot experiments like Microsoft's Tay and Meta's BlenderBot 3 as contemporary examples of this. They are powered by the loudest and most awful voices on the internet, channeled not by a crystal, but by real AI-based technology. And the end result is the creation of an unpleasant gestalt being. Not a big, spooky, fictional crystal, evil thoughts, and a giant snake, but surely this is a real-world analogy. I liked Dojin. I liked the mysterious old shamanic character. Dojin was a respected scientist, a wealthy respected scientist, who wanders off into the wilderness, sacrificing everything to prevent the Mara's return. That is a very noble deed. He also reminds me slightly of the character in Star Wars The Force Awakens, played by Max von Sydow. Do you remember? That oldish hermit in the desert. He reminded me of Dojin. Let's talk about the Mara. I thought the Mara tattoos, effects, and creature design were much less convincing than those in Kinder. The tattoos looked like stickers. I think they were definitely stickers. They were long, shiny, and just stuck to the two actors, Janet Fielding and Martin Clunes. And when they occasionally came to life as snakes, those snakes looked like squidgy toys. Squidgy, rubbery toys. The full-size Mara was also not very good. It was nowhere near as well-formed and animated as the one in Kinder. So, yeah, I wasn't as impressed with the overall creature design. And also, I'd say that the look of Kinder was better, the way that Tegan had her mind taken over and you could see the Mara inside her mind. In this one, now that we know, I suppose, that the Mara are not people, they are evil formed into the shape of a serpent, they try to show that in Snake Dance. For example, we see a serpent's skull in the crystal ball 
of the unfortunate woman who comes to her rescue in the market. And right at the end, when she appears superimposed in that skull, and then that skull wrapped in the flesh of the Mara. I've tried to do something similar by blending two photographs together from this story. One is the Doctor with a crystal, and the other is that last nightmarish image of Tegan inside the Mara. That's the image that I've used this week in the accompanying blog post. If you're listening sometime in the future and that blog has long gone, now at least you've heard me give you a verbal description. Trivia. I'm afraid this trivia is from a bad secondary reference from Wikipedia. I say secondary because there is no way I'm going to buy another book. The reference mentions a work called Doctor Who, The Unfolding Text by John Tulloch and Manuel Alvarado. In it, it is apparently stated, in this book that I'm not going to buy, that Bailey, Christopher Bailey, the writer, was influenced by Buddhist and Jungian symbology and Ursula K. Le Guin. I can't speak to any of that, though I have read a fair bit of Le Guin. I think I've read a <laughs> idiot's guide to Jungian psychology, and okay, I'm not a Buddhist, but I'm a Hindu. Despite all of that, I suppose I could see little echoes of some of that stuff, the unconscious and snakes and mysticism in Kinder and Snake Dance, but I couldn't be specific and tell you in what way that works. However, when I heard the name Ursula K. Le Guin, I was reminded for some reason of another author, Vonda N. McIntyre, of whom I'm also a fan. I remember one specific book that she wrote that reminded me slightly of this, particularly the ritual of being bitten by a snake and absorbing its venom, and I'm a little surprised that work did not, apparently, from what I've read, influence him. It is a post-apocalyptic novel by von der Ren McIntyre that I read decades ago called Dream Snake from 1978. That is a good interval before the production of Snake Dance. The reason it reminded me somewhat of that novel is because in Dream Snake, the novel, a peripatetic healer wanders the post-apocalyptic landscape, helping people using venom secreted by her snakes. The titular Dream Snake is a creature who will give good dreams to the dying. Okay, now that I've said all that, I can see how it is only loosely, I suppose, associated. But there is a tenuous connection, and there are snakes, and a wandering 
wise person. And as far as I can tell, this was a quite popular novel. It was popular enough to become a Galan's yellow hardback. So I find it a little hard to believe that Christopher Bailey did not know of its existence. But then maybe I'm assuming too much, because I have read a lot of science fiction. So it's possible that a writer of Doctor Who has not read as much as me, science fiction-wise anyway. That's not a boast. It's just true. Though you'd never think it given the fact that I never seem to talk about books anymore. Hmm. That has to change, doesn't it? That really has to change. And that is it. That is my revisit of Snake Dance from 1983. As I said in a previous pod, please don't assume that alternating weeks will be a Doctor Who revisit. And then the main week will be just the normal geek show. Or that this podcast will even come out on a weekly basis. I'm trying my best. I'm trying new things. Seeing what will happen. As you heard in the last one, I have some changes in mind. I've had some changes in mind for a long time. Sometimes those amount to something, sometimes they don't. What I can assure you is that the Doctor Who revisit will continue until the end of classic Doctor Who in 1989 with Sylvester McCoy. I don't know whether to include the Doctor Who TV movie with this. Maybe. We'll see what happens. But for now, I've spoken enough. It is exceedingly late, or early, and I need to go and rest. So for now, my friends, my fellow Whovians, that is it. The show that you just listened to is produced, presented, and edited by me, Roy Matur, a writer. Matur is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find more about me or get in touch at RoyMatur.com. If you want to help, please review and rate the show on whatever platform you listen, recommend it to a friend or mortal enemy, or click on the contact or support link on the website. Thanks for tuning in to Captain Roy's Rusty Rocket Radio Show, C-R-R-R-R-S, the UK geek science fiction fantasy and horror podcast, recorded on... Friday the 30th of June 2023 and the time at the end of the show is 04.50.25. It's time to say goodbye now, so thanks for listening and bye-bye for now. Bye!